the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, By the way, go over to ProAmericaReport.com and you'll click in through to my Substack. I'm writing uh, longer form pieces over on Substack. I think you'll enjoy them. I'm also putting up some things. It's called the Pro-America Report over there also, uh, the Substack. And it's uh, Substack is eagleedmartin.substack.com since I'm the uh, uh, guy in charge of it there. And uh, you you can uh, check out the Pro-America Report Substack. Lots happening there. And I'll be keeping, I'll be writing longer form. I'll also be posting things over there. And I'll sometimes be posting uh, stuff by other folks that I think is decidedly pro-America. So proamericareport.com, you can sign up there and you'll be into the uh, email system also. Um, all right. I, I, I could spend my time commenting on the uh, race uh, to be the next speaker. I'll save that till the end of the show. We've got a very interesting show today, uh, but instead I want to comment on something very specific. And that is a, an aspect of the narrative machine over the last few years that is particularly galling to me. And I'm making it a goal to take it apart. And that is the nearly $20 million Pelosi select committee on January 6th that was led by Liz Cheney and Benny Thompson. Now, here's the thing about the select committee. You go and read the select committee's report on January 6th, and you'll have to get to page, I think it's like 200, is it 200 or it's footnote 200. It might be page 700. I can't remember. It's, it's some extraordinarily in the back amongst the footnotes, you'll see reference to the pipe bomber. Now, let me be clear. We were told that on January 5th, a pipe bomb was planted next to the DNC and where it was planted, it could have taken out Kamala Harris and any uh, many other distinguished American servants, elected officials. And at the same time, a pipe bomber, same pipe bomber, planted another pipe bomb in a place close enough to the Republican National Committee and the Republican Dining Club called the Capitol Hill Club that it could take out some Republicans. So we have two of the major party headquarters in the world. It's the greatest republic on earth. It's the only superpower, and it's got only two parties, and both of them have bombs next to them on January 5th planted, and they stayed there overnight. They didn't detonate, and they were found just in time for the January 6th festivities uh, just after noon on the 6th of January, 2021. Now, again, my point here is if you tell anyone, anyone normal, and you say, ha, I, I want to tell you something. There were pipe bombs planted by the major political parties. They'd say, holy cow, we got to get to the bottom of that. 
If you said there are pipe bombs planted at the top two political parties in Germany, in Berlin, they would want to get to the bottom of it. They wouldn't stop till they got to the bottom of it. If you said in Spain, the top two party headquarters had pipe bombs in front of them, they would say, we're going to get to the bottom of it. In America, we're told pipe bombers and the select committee not only barely mentioned some, they didn't get to the bottom of it. They could have easily done so. I've looked at the January 6th video. You can see the pipe bomber. You can see the person walking the streets. He or she, I happen to think it's a she, has a mask on, a hood on, but she's on her phone. She's in places where there's lots of cameras. They could get to the bottom if they wanted. There's something unbelievably wrong. And the select committee, almost $20 million, ignored that. Okay. Well, the select committee also ignored the gallows. There was a gallows built that had a noose that has been cited by every Democrat since January 7th, 2021, until today. Every time they bring it up, they say there was a gallows and a noose. The images, the photographs all over the world, a gallows and a noose. The January 6th Select Committee sent $20 million, hired experts and lawyers and professional people. They did a dozen or so staged, made-for-TV primetime, at least a couple more primetime. They were so boring that they went out of primetime pretty quickly. They were starting to do them during the day. But these were staged show trials, like old-fashioned things where they, they played videos edited videos, spliced videos. And here's the cool thing. After they were done doing all this, $20 million or so, they then destroyed the evidence. They got rid of the videos. They left some of the videos that were publicly shown, but the videos that they used, that they edited, they destroyed them. They say they kept the transcripts of those videos, but we don't know. And comes now Cassidy Hutchison, one of the great stars of the select committee. They put her up. She was a 23-year-old young woman working in the White House who now thought she had deep thoughts about everybody's, what they were thinking, what they meant, what their inside thoughts were, and she was made into a star by the select committee. I say this poor kid manipulated by everybody. I'm not saying it's an easy place to work in the White House, by the way. I'm just, any White House, but I'm just saying this isn't crazy. So she was a star. Cassidy Hutchison. Wow. And she said Trump did this and Trump did that. Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of the I think that's her. I mean, crazy, wild stuff. Not credible at all in my mind. But whatever. Be that as may. Here's Cassidy Hutchison. And she did an interview the other night, which I was it was forwarded to me and I watched it because she has a new book out. So now she's shilling her book, which means you got to say as many things as you can that will get some attention. And, and maybe they're real or maybe they're not. I don't know. But she did say on on uh, on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow that she was interviewed six times by the select committee and one live interview, which we saw that on TV six times. Huh. If you go and look, she's got one deposition uh, that's been put onto the record. The select committee saved. In other words, they destroyed the evidence of five other interviews she did. What did she say? What did she say? Here's my point. The select committee was so selective in what they covered, that it was completely, completely without credibility. I'm not saying it's all a lie. I don't know, but it's got zero credibility and nobody should think it has any. And and it was weaponized against the American people. It was weaponized against we, the people. We were assigned a view of January 6th by the select committee of Nancy Pelosi, Liz Cheney and Benny Thompson. And they deleted, destroyed evidence. They got rid of things. They selectively edited. They went on and on and on to the detriment of we the people. And what you need to know is that's not the only time that's happened. It may be the most egregious example, 
it may be the one that causes the most pain for people. It feels to me like that's about right. Because the select committee underscoring the narrative the way they did, the big government portion of the narrative machine, it made it possible for the prosecutors and the juries and the media to take the position that this was some grand insurrection and therefore these people were terrorists, nearly terrorists, who needed to be stopped at all costs and held without bail and put in uh, a solitary confinement and sentenced to uh, longer terms and charged with new crimes that we just made up. And again, as you see this and you say, whoa, I'm watching this, what you need to know is that the weaponization against the American people, it didn't stop with just big government, big tech and big media on January 6th. It's continuing down to now. It's kind of expanding. It's rolling downhill and expanding more broadly. And when you see Cassidy Hutchison say, oh, yeah, I, I spoke six times to select committee and you realize that five out of six are disappeared. They, they're destroyed. What else is gone? You know, history is written, they say, by the victors. Maybe it should be said that history is written by the survivors. Elon Musk had a great line. He said history's uh, history is written by the victors. And he said, but the defeated, if they go home and have Wikipedia accounts, they can edit the, the history. It's true. But anyway, the watching the effort to define Trump's administration and Trump's presidency as outside of the norm, as a way to demand that people act to stop him, is haunting. When Joe Biden gets up and calls MAGA supporters, people, he says, these are MAGA extremists. These aren't just Republicans. These are MAGA extremists. And they're all MAGA extremists. That's kind of what he said. I don't even use that phrase, but he said, basically, it's not about one set of people that MAGA, the MAGA, they're extremists, MAGA extremists. This is an invitation. No one is. No one wants to be around an extremist. No one thinks that's a good term. When I tell you that, I think that the, the policy position of the Democrats on abortion is an extremist position because they want to let the baby be one second from being born and being able be able to be aborted. That's an extreme position. Nobody likes that. Trust me, Democrats go crazy when you call them extremists on abortion. But when the president of the United States is starting to target his opponents by calling them extremists and he's getting aid and he's being abetted in his effort by the media and by big media, big tech and by other aspects of big government, it should worry us all. And what you need to know is you're seeing something that's not normal. This is not normal what's happening. This is not just another election. This is not just another moment. This is not just this is it's it's almost like they feel like they're losing, losing control and it's slipping and therefore they're grabbing harder. It's like that old description. You know, if you try to hold sand in your hands and squeeze your fist closed, it runs through your fingers. If you hold your hands cupped sort of gently, you can hold a lot more. What you need to know is we're watching something very not normal. And the select committee uh, on January 6th, the Pelosi committee, is a, is a great window into what they did. But it ought to worry you because they're doing it again and again and again. See Trump, see others. Uh, a lot to watch and a lot to be worried about and a lot to address. We've got to take a break, though. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, checking in with our friend and friend of the show, Sean Carney, who's the president and CEO of 40 Days for Life. If you go to 40daysforlife.com, 40, don't spell it out, 40daysforlife.com, you can see a ton of the stuff they do. Lots of different uh, resources available to you, lots of different things happening. Uh, their Institute of Law and Justice, a, just a million post-Row America map is on there and uh, lots more. So go there and check it out. But Sean has really been very good and been out commentating on what is happening. Uh, especially from the pro-life perspective. So welcome back, Sean. And let me say, I thought of you immediately when I saw whom Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, picked as a U.S. senator uh, from 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 the highest echelon of the pro-abortion uh, funding and pro-abortion movement. Here she comes. Tell us a little bit about this pick and what it, what for our listeners. I've talked a bunch about it, but tell us what you know about Emily's list. Emily's list uh, is bad. Um, so <laughs> well, they're, they're, the problem is when we talk about Emily's list 20 years ago, they were they were kind of this fringe group that most Democrats didn't really want to get close to. I mean, they would take their money if they really needed it when they were running for office. Um, but they were just so extreme on abortion. Now, Emily's list is very, very popular. Um, and, you know, they've always believed in abortion through all 40 weeks through no, um, you know, no. uh restrictions whatsoever and that's a big problem because now that's just the norm and Mm -hmm. so emily's list is a it's a it's a lobby group they are set up to fund um pro-abortion politicians to the extreme and to get their funding you have to submit to their insane um beliefs on abortion and and now everybody's submitting to that but but to have butler who's from emily's list you know as the as the uh, appointee uh is insane and this is one of the scary things about newsom because policy wise he's crazy i mean Mm -hmm. he's now going to prosecute doctors doing you know abortion pill reversal so he's crazy but he's an affable guy he seems like he's cool you know he's well spoken and all of that Uh, but you can't buy into that he this is this is probably the most pro-abortion governor we've ever had since Cuomo. You know, and and, and just to pause before I will get to her Emily's uh, uh, to the to the pick. Emily's list is uh, it's it, to me it's even worse in this sense. They don't even pretend that they're for uh, like candidates. They're only for women candidates. So you got to first eliminate half the country from being eligible. This is like what Gavin Newsom did. It's it to me. It's the worst kind of bigotry. You say to the country, uh, I'm going to pick a. And by the way, Gavin Newsom did say to the country because this woman was a registered voter in Maryland. So half the country, he says, if you're a man, not eligible. Then he says, if you're not black, you're not eligible. So black women is the only thing. So if you're black man. You're like, oh, man, black man, you know, and I'm liberal, whatever. No, no chance. You know, Van Jones, no chance had to be. A, and that's what Emily's list does, too. It's pro-abortion women. And as you say, they've raised a ton, a ton of money now. They're sophisticated in it. You know, I, I tell people, oh, they say we lost the, the, the conservatives lost in Ohio over the summer on this big vote. The other side spent twenty five million dollars and the pro-lifers spent five. Uh, that 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 game right there it's you can win with those odds but uh anyway so back to lafonza butler is and by the, the new- way going back to your point on the yeah. men and women well think about all the women that he annihilates which yeah. are pro-life women 
Right. So the biggest enemy of Newsom is a black pro-life woman. <laughs> That's true. That's a good actually uh, somewhere somewhere. Alveda King is uh, is her ears are burning. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, we're talking with Sean Connery, four days for life. Uh, it, it, but so LaFonza Butler, here's what I want to say. I, I don't have anything to say about her. She's going to be a reliable left wing vote. She's Kamala Harris's friend and all. I, I want to make the point you're making about Gavin Newsom. They showed a map of Gavin Newsom's governor's reelect and they showed where he raised money. It was all 50 states all over the place. It was he was running like a national candidate because the governor of California is such an, a powerful job. Now he's gone and said, not only will I be right with the feminists and the African-Americans, I'm going all the way for the pro aborts. They get this. This is this is the signal here. This is a very smart politician. I mean, I hate his positions and I hate his politics, uh, but this is this is savvy stuff. At the big league level. And it makes me say again to people, the, the the guy in waiting, if there's any problem for Biden, it's not anybody else, not Pritzker with his billions. It's not uh, uh, Whitmer with her uh, Michigan uh, swing state. It's Newsom with his money and with his chits with the abortion community and with his savvy. I, I, I think it's a, I mean, I, think I, I take my hat off to him in terms of uh, political intelligence. Absolutely. No, he and, and people I've criticized Governor Newsom a lot. And uh, right. in my opinion, it's been well deserved. Um, but he is he is affable. Uh, he is well spoken. If you watch an interview with him, like a full interview, um, he he can connect with people um, better than I think a lot of the Republicans uh, and personality matters. I mean, look at uh, look at Bill Clinton. Look at George W. Bush. I mean, Bush ran against two, you know, robots in in Kerry and Gore. Uh, look at Obama. Look at Trump. You know, and Newsom's like the opposite. Trump brought this bravado and this confidence. It's like finally we need this. We need somebody who's just going to say what we all talk about in our living rooms. And then uh, Newsom brings that same level, except using an opposite approach, which is. Hey, man, we went to college together. We're yeah. best friends. And you're <laughs> exactly. like, yeah, we did. And you're yeah. like, no, 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 we didn't. And so uh, <laughs> he's got it like right the there. like kind of the cool subtlety about him. Um, but his policies is, are, are extremely, extremely dangerous. And, you know, he would be he would be horrible. I have heard that uh, Hannity is going to have DeSantis and Newsom debate. Yeah, um, that is supposed to happen. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm not a, I'm not a fan in the sense that I I don't I wouldn't want to elevate Newsom. I mean, I think DeSantis will DeSantis will probably clean his clock in terms of policy and in terms of seriousness. But as you say, Newsom's got a you know, he's got that. Anyway, I'll put him aside. I can't stand him. But I want to because I want to ask you, we're talking with Sean Carney again. And, and don't forget to go to 40 days for life, four zero days for life dot com. And he's Sean Carney, the president and CEO. New York City, there was a New York Post article. Uh, New York City, the mayor has decided uh, because Roe v. Wade was reversed, he now is going to have New York City, which you say, well, it's it's a city. Well, nah, it's not really a city. It's like, you know, New York City's economy and the size and number of people is like a small country, right? It's not even a small country, mid-sized country. Mm -hmm. And he's going to do, uh, uh, they're going to prescribe and deliver abortion pills on demand after phone appointments and sometimes virtual appointments. I mean, I guess this is where we knew we were headed in blue places. They're going to just accelerate this. But, Sean, why isn't one objection right away like, hold on, I don't trust myself and I'm 53 to order pizza correctly online or on by the phone, let alone a 25 year old who's in distress? Because if you do this wrong, aren't we going to have some really uh, sick besides the killing? You're going to have sick women if you if you take an abortion pill when you're not eight weeks pregnant, but 
18 or 28, you're causing real trouble in your life. Why isn't somebody objecting more broadly to this? They are and they have. And let's forget about you and I. We're pro-life activists. We don't count. But the abortion industry themselves were against this just two or three years ago. Hmm. There, There are droves of current abortion facility workers and certainly former Planned Parenthood managers who drew the line and said, I'm not participating in this virtual abortion brave new world that you're trying to create. And that's the majority of them. That's Mm -hmm. not the fringe. That's the majority of them. This this just shows that once they overturn Roe, women's safety, all that crap that went out the door because abortion became purely activism. They've gotten totally away from you know, uh, uh, talking about it as healthcare because it's not. If it were healthcare, you would never allow this, and you didn't allow it, by the way, until yeah. now. So all of a sudden, it's not what we've said in the past; it's what they've said in the past that they have gone back on, and now they're just saying it doesn't matter. Let's deregulate the whole thing, you know. And that is a very uh, it's it's dangerous for the actual women. And ironically, after all this. Only the pro-life side is talking about the safety part. It is. It is amazing. And, and you know, as you say, it's, it's like going back to get their words when they were saying things like, um, you know, they used to say, don't allow fetal remains burials because uh, the tissue is really a, a kind of medical waste. Well, wait a second. Some of this medical waste is now going down the, the toilet. If this if you, literally if that's what you, the system you want to do. And yet confronting them, I tell people all the time, hypocrisy is not a distinguishing characteristic in politics in general, but certainly on the left. They don't care. They care not about principles, not about uh, consistency. It's pure power. If they see an opportunity opportunity to enhance power uh they do it and i know uh it's it's terrible stuff i gotta run david carney dave carney is the ceo and president of 40 days for life i'm looking at his website there's a lot there for you to look at especially and one <laughs> aclu says you're one of the worst worst guys in terms of uh d- defeating uh, choice which means beating abortion so good for you dave carney thanks for being with us dave thank you all right we'll take a break everybody sorry if you cut that off i gotta do better on my my stopwatch because uh i get rolling so we'll take a break and be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment welcome back welcome back ed martin here on the pro america report in the times of chaos where the speaker of the house changes and uh it looks like it may or may not be the the uh, president of the United States running for a second term. Who knows? His, his health is so up and so down, and people talk more and more about it. Uh, it feels like a good time to talk with Joel Gilbert. He's the author of the book Michelle Obama 2024, Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power. He's the director of the documentary on the same topic called Michelle Obama uh, 2024. And his website, michelleobama24.com, you can see a, a trailer. You can uh, check it all out. So welcome, Joel. Uh, first of all, welcome uh, to the program. How are you? All right. Great to be here today. Thank you. So I, when I said the very beginning, chaos, we're in chaos where what, you know, used to seem like things went in a regular rhythm. They just don't do that. And I make it an argument, I think, for anything could happen. But it really feels like that. I mean, that the Speaker McCarthy being uh, taken out of office, that's the first time it's ever happened like that. Usually they can read the numbers and they quit, I suppose. But so it's not the first time that someone's been removed. But, you know, we've got a, a, a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running for uh, as a Democrat with 17 percent saying he's going to run as an independent. You've got uh, media uh, headline uh, top guys, Tucker Carlson disappearing off the air one, you know, one day to the next. It's a chaotic time. Are you sure it's chaotic enough that Michelle Obama 2024 is possible? Okay, well, let me comment on a couple <laughs> things. Uh, yeah. First of all, I think uh, 
this is relatively unchaotic compared to most uh, parliamentary democracies throughout the Western world, Europe okay. and other places. They have these kinds of upheaval every week. So it's it's actually not that big of a deal. I think the Democrats foolishly went along with uh, Matt Gates to remove uh, Kevin McCarthy, who's kind of a squishy kind of uh, speaker, and they're going to end up getting a much stronger uh, conservative speaker, maybe like Jim Jordan. So I think it'll smooth out pretty quickly, probably more in favor of the uh, the MAGA universe, uh, right. someone who can execute policy, someone who can tell Joe Biden uh, no government funding at all unless you stop the prosecutions of our Republican candidate, Donald Trump. Either we're going to have a fair government or no government. So the uh, voters are looking for someone that can fight back. And I think uh, the Democrats are going to regret supporting Matt, Matt Gates. As far as RFK Jr., it is very difficult to get on ballots, actually, as an independent. It remains to be seen where he's going to get on. He is more of a libertarian these days, and it's pretty much the Kennedy name is the only thing that's kind of carrying him at all. So that, that remains to be seen. But in terms of the chaos and Michelle Obama, I make the case in my film and book, Michelle Obama 2024, that she's been steadily preparing to run for president for several years by actually copying what Barack did to become president. Uh, Barack wrote two autobiographies, Dreams from My Father and The Audacity of Hope, before he ran for president. Sure enough, Michelle came out with her best-selling Becoming and went on a book tour and just came out also with The Light We Carry, both autobiographies, kind of political documents that reset her history. They're also both on Netflix as movies. Uh, Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry. He introduced him at the 2004 Democrat Convention. Sure enough, there was Michelle Obama introducing Joe Biden. That kind of sets her up as the next nominee. And, um, you know, Barack had a voter registration organization called Project Vote in Chicago. Michelle has a voter registration organization supported by the Soros gang for $26 million called When We All Vote. And meantime, I'm seeing that the Democrats have set it up for Michelle Obama. They moved the first primary out of Iowa, where she would have had to campaign in 99 counties, to South Carolina for their first primary, where half of the Democrat primary electorate are going to be African-Americans. And it's also a state that Michelle previously claimed as her adopted home state because her grandparents are from South Carolina. So that's an easy layup for Michelle. And it couldn't be more obvious. They put the Democrat National Convention in Chicago, of all places, to have kind of like a homegirl convention. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think they set it up. I think uh, December 23rd coming up is going to be the deadline to get on most primary ballots for the Democrat primaries. So I'm predicting that in November we'll see Michelle announce. She's the only one that can get all the signatures she needs and raise all the money she wants in a couple of weeks. Well, and we're talking with Joel Gilbert. And again, he's got a book, uh, Michelle Obama, 2024, her real life story and plan for power. It's from our friends at Post Hill Press, his documentary. And there's a piece over at uh, American Thinker, which I'll link to, which is him talking a little bit more about the specifics of Michelle Obama. I, I wonder about that last part where you say she'll announce in time to get on the ballot. I, I, I wonder if it's more likely that at some point they find a way to get Joe Biden to not run. And it's a matter of replacing him. And you can't you cannot um, take Kamala Harris's spot in the Democrat Party a black woman, you know, with another white guy too easily. I still think they might. But let me pause and I'll mention I'll go back to your piece in a moment. But I, I mean, I'm being totally serious. Why? Why would she want this? Meaning they have power, they have influence, they have the life style and the life. Go- I don't know what they do, but they don't. They're not normal people, which I'm not blaming them. I'm just describing. Uh, is it is it you know a lot of people say yeah but she doesn't want that hassle your point is power seeking overrides the hassle huh 
Yeah, let me go through all three of those yeah. things you mentioned, Please. misperceptions. First of all, uh, Joe Biden doesn't even need to drop out of the race for Michelle to run, just like Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter. I mean, uh, Joe can keep running and Kamala can run and it won't matter because Michelle Obama is the most popular person in the country. She has a huge audience, 100 million followers on social media. She's been working on her audiences of minorities and women for years. So they can all run if they want. And Michelle will trounce them starting in South Carolina and they'll just drop out soon enough. Uh, I think white people make the mistake of thinking that Kamala Harris has any connection to the black community in this country. Kamala, her father's from Jamaica, her mother's from India. So she's not African-American. She grew up in Canada. So she shares no experiences with the black community. They do not consider her black. So replacing her with anybody is completely irrelevant. She's irrelevant. She never even made it to the first primary in Iowa. So I wouldn't worry about Kamala. As far as Michelle Obama, if you watch my film, by the way, you can watch it on SalemNow.com. You can actually live stream the movie and uh, you'll find out the real history of Michelle Obama. And she is a what we call a political animal. Her father was a politician. He was a precinct captain in Chicago working for the white liberals. And uh, from age four, she was running around with her father trying to get people to vote for Democrats. She was best friends with Jesse Jackson's daughter, Santita, growing up, and she kind of grew up in Jesse Jackson's house when he was running for president in the early 80s. She married a politician, married a father. So Michelle is a very good politician. She's a better politician than Barack. She's a better speaker. She comes across more authentic. And if you look at her Twitter account, she's all politics all the time. That's kind of who she is. They have enough money and houses, and that's irrelevant. The Obamas desperately want back in the White House And I think Michelle has been preparing for this for years. Uh, Again, uh, Joel Gilbert is our guest, and uh, I will put up uh, links and, uh, uh, you know, to his both his uh, um, documentary, Michelle Obama 2024, and then his book from Post Hill Press by the same name, a little few more words Uh, in this piece in American Thinker. And I've just got a couple of minutes, uh, literally two or so left uh, before the break. But you write about um, sort of a little oppo research and you write about the fact her parents were, you know, they sent them to a school outside of where they should have been because they wanted to get, you know, uh, out of the projects and, uh, and they um, lots of things that have to do with their hometown and stuff they did. When I read it, though, I, I don't know. In the world we live in, does the public care? That's the problem, right? That no Democrat cares, right? So yeah, does, this, any, does anybody well, care enough? Yeah, the relevance is for the black community. Democrats desperately need about a 90 percent grasp on black voters. I see, I see. And I make the case that Michelle Obama's her biggest political problem is her horrible relationship with the black community growing up in Chicago, and then as a administrator for the mayor of Chicago and the University of Chicago Medical Center. She was doing white flight in the 70s. Her and her brother, instead of going one block from their house to an excellent high school, it was all black. They didn't want to study with black. So they went an hour away to go to private schools, Catholic school, even though they weren't Catholic, to only study with whites. Growing up, the kids would beat Michelle up. They'd call her an Oreo, which means you're black on the outside, but you're really white on the inside. It's a major Mm -hmm. insult. Michelle had no black friends, and she always ran away from the black community, and that is a big insult. Uh, In her professional career, working for the mayor of Chicago, they needed to hire a black person to kick 20,000 black people out of their homes at Cabrini Green. They wanted to destroy the projects and give the land to Democrat donor developers like Tony Resco. So Michelle did the dirty work for the white liberals. She kicked these people out of their homes and told them to be good for them. And then having proven how callous she was toward the black community, Michelle was hired by the University of Chicago Medical Center 
to kick black people out of the emergency room so they couldn't right. get good health care. And Michelle would put them in these vans and ship them back to the South Side to these crappy clinics. Right. And Michelle made hundreds of thousands of dollars and again told them this will be good for you. So, Joel, Michelle I'm, so, I'm, so, Joel sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm out of time. Uh, I'm up against a hard deadline on the on this, but I'm going to we'll have you back on again, Joel. I enjoy talking to you. I should have got to the stuff on Michelle Obama earlier. Again, uh, Michelle Obama 2024, uh, both the documentary and the book. I'll put it up on social media. We got to take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Powerful groups in the United States are trying to turn us into a completely secular nation and banish all reference to God and prayer from any public place or event. Those are the people who file lawsuits against the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, against Ten Commandments monuments, and against students who want to reference their faith at graduation ceremonies. Those secularists are trying to make us believe we must get rid of those old-fashioned notions. I would like to remind you that on this date of October 4th in 1982, President Ronald Reagan proclaimed the Year of the Bible. Reagan's proclamation stated, Now therefore, I, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States of America, in recognition of the contributions and influence of the Bible on our republic and our people, do hereby proclaim 1983 as the year of the Bible in the United States. I encourage all citizens, each in his own way, to re-examine and rediscover its priceless and timeless message. Now, I don't want you to think that this public respect for the Bible was expressed only by Republican presidents. In 1941, a Democratic Party president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, wrote the prologue of a special Gideon's edition of the New Testament and Book of Psalms that was distributed to millions of World War II soldiers. Here are President Roosevelt's words. As Commander-in-Chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces of the United States. Throughout the centuries, men of many faiths have found in the sacred book words of wisdom, counsel, and inspiration. It is a fountain of strength and an aid in attaining the highest aspirations of the human soul. Presidents and patriots throughout history have celebrated and honored God's Word. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish up by describing how uh, wonderfully hypocritical the uh, Democrat Party is but not surprised by it. We're not surprised by it at all. So uh, welcome back, ProAmericaReport.com. Um, you know, Governor Newsom... Governor Gavin Newsom of of California 
six months ago, he was uh, put in a uh, put on the spot and he was asked if um, Dianne Feinstein, the long, uh, long time senator from uh, California, who was in failing health or at least she was she had turned 90 uh, she was 90 years old when she died last week and and she was really frail she'd been hospitalized i think with shingles or something and she was really in rough t- tough shape and um in a lawsuit with her children uh from her first marriage and uh her child from her second marriage or i don't know maybe her her second husband's kids i mean nasty lawsuits about uh inheritance because her father her husband had passed away uh, very unpleasant stuff and so gavin newsom was put on the spot and like a good um democrat he did what you'd expect he promised that he would eliminate from the pool of candidates Anyone who was white, male or female, anyone who was black, male, and anyone who was Hispanic, male, well, any men, all men were eliminated, and all non-black people were eliminated. So Gavin Newsom promised to appoint a black woman to take this seat to serve in the uh, U.S. Senate. And so there you have it. Well, the universe of black women in California, there was like there's a whole bunch of them. But in the ones that are in politics that could serve, it got pretty clear pretty fast. There was about maybe seven or eight or nine. But that didn't stop Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom went ahead and appointed an African-American woman who lives in Maryland. Well, there you have it. You don't even have to appoint someone from the state that you're in. And here's why. The woman who is appointed to serve is named LaFonza Butler. Now she has some ties to California. She lived there for a while, but she's registered to vote in Maryland, but she is the president of what's called Emily's list. Emily E M I L Y stands for early money is like yeast. Emily's list is a one issue uh, organization. They raise tons of money Lots and lots of it from Planned Parenthood and Planned Parenthood supporters. I'd have to say those two overlap there. I'm not sure exactly which. And so that's all it does is support pro-abortion women candidates. That's Emily's list. And LaFonza Butler is the head. She's the president of Emily's list. So she's the president of a massive fundraising organization that raises money to support candidates who will promote abortion to the end of uh, pregnancy, the extre- the most extreme position. Okay. And she lives in Maryland. The, um, the, uh, um, the, the reality is that um, she is as transparently a political appointment as possible in fact he uh, uh, gavin newsom actually to his credit on this one he did it did say that she doesn't have to run uh for the seat and she doesn't have to refrain from the seat there was some thinking he was going to say whoever he picks has to not run but he didn't do that so we have this woman um she happens to be black she happens to be a woman also happens to be uh gay i guess and she is a rabid rabid pro-abortion candidate and to the extreme so not candidate, uh, pro-abortion uh, uh, um, official. I mean, her public life is identified with pro-abortion positions. That's what she does. And that's who they pick to take this spot. Now, I mean, you know, it, it is it's crazy to me that you don't pay a price as an elected official and as a leader for eliminating, uh, you know, more than what, two thirds 
I mean, half the half of California is uh, well, half of the country because you don't have to be from California to be appointed. She lives in Maryland, so half of the country is a male. You're eliminated, and then what is it? Ten or eleven percent of the country are African American. So eliminate the the next. What would that be? Ninety percent of the country are eliminated, and of the ten percent that are in the hopper, if you're a man, a black man, so let's say five percent. So you're down ninety five percent of the people are eliminated from even applying for the job. Think about how crazy this is. Can you imagine something that's more racist than this? Can you imagine something that's more obviously, it's not about the merits, it's about racism. That's what this pick has has shown. And nobody bats an eye. And nobody bats an eye. They don't even say, they don't say a a thing about about the fact that uh, this person, um, this woman is living in Maryland, registered to vote in Maryland. No, no big deal. No big deal. Now, to their credit, uh, there was a time where I think Barack Obama, uh, Barack Obama ran for, um, was it was Barack Obama running for senator in uh, in Illinois, um, and and he had uh, his opponent was um, knocked off the ballot. I think they knocked off the ballot in, um, and um, so he decided there was a decision that who could possibly run in Illinois for this seat. And they went through a whole bunch of uh, checks and nobody wanted to run because there was really no way you could win. And there was a guy named ambassador Alan keys, who was, I think at one point from Illinois, but lived in Maryland. And he got the appointment uh, to run for Senate, but he didn't get appointed to the Senate. He had to actually move his residence out there. And uh, he got appointed and, and became the nominee. So anyway, uh, you know, look, my point is only this. Uh, Gavin Newsom is really good at playing Democrat politics and the Democrats really care about abortion. That's the one that's the most sacred position, sacred policy position that you can have. And it's for two reasons. One, I think they like the killing. They like making women feel empowered that way. And two, it's a huge, huge moneymaker. Planned Parenthood is a huge moneymaker. All right. Thank you, as always, to the great uh, Mason Mohan, our producer, uh, for producing these programs. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.